and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 69. Today, Brian and I are returning to our series on Ephesians and diving into chapter 5. If you listened last week, Brian and I discussed the vice of virtue list found in the second part of Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul continues those thoughts through chapter 5 as well and tells the listener in verse 16 to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. As Brian and I walk through chapter 5, we will spend some time on those words and look at what they mean for us in our context. The Bistro is a labor of love for Brian and I, but it does cost money for us to produce. So if you're enjoying the podcast, we have set up a Patreon account, which allows you to contribute financially to the podcast to help with our costs. If you become a monthly contributor, not only will you be helping us continue the podcast, but you can also get yourself some Bible Bistro swag, like a coffee cup or a t-shirt. You can find a link to subscribe at the top of our website, thebiblebistro.com, and also in the show notes. We do appreciate your support. If you can't financially support us, you could also support the Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others. All right, let's jump right into our conversation looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Brian, good to be here. Yeah, that's the energy we need from you. I always bring that kind of energy. What are you talking about? For those who missed last week, just go back and listen to last week. Okay. If, now, you're I, to, now you're trying to bring me down. No, no, <laughs> no. It's just when you use these big words like, I always, oh, okay. I feel like, I'm not always. Anyway, welcome back to the Bistro. You're using feeling words now? Is that what <laughs> Yes. We're all about feelings here at the Bistro. <laughs> all right. Anyway, welcome back. We're glad yeah, we just had a good to be fa- here. we had a fantastic lunch. You know, the Bistro, it's always a good place for food and for yeah. some coffee. Yes. And we had some uh, Cajun food today. Yes, some from etouffees from Yes. Yeah, so I had etouffee and a gumbo. Yes. It's their tagline is Cajun Creole crazy mm, yeah they're very eccentric they're across uh indianapolis area yeah, they're very, very good, good. Yeah, very good we enjoyed it. it was very wow. good but now we're back contact us for sponsorship right? yeah yes <laughs> i know nothing goes better with cajun than the word of god In the bible study right the bible let's study let's, yeah, do, yeah. let's do this yes so. all right so we're back in the beach yeah. today we started chapter five of ephesians yeah. and now no, no, we didn't we did chapter four last week did we i don't know where i'm at no, We're wait. starting chapter five today. Now it's very closely connected. Oh, we are starting chapter five. Yes, <laughs> thank you. We're. It's, very, <laughs> it's a good thing I know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> if we did, we'd be in trouble. Okay. Anyway, but mm-hmm. anyway, it's very closely connected to what we talked about last week. We talked about true holiness. Yes, is, is kind of what we. Talked and it's about a thing that week. you do, kind right. of. Yeah, holiness mm-hmm. is something, an action. Yeah, it comes out of the, our thoughts and our will, and and so he, he Paul kind of continues with that thought about. Um, uh, the things that we should do, the things we shouldn't do, uh, and you know, picking up on if you remember the beginning of chapter four, it was this is the way you should walk. Then, or mm-hmm. NIV translates that as live, translates that metaphor. Down later in the chapter, it talks about do not walk in this way, you know, and mm-hmm. the way the Gentiles did, and the futility of their thinking, and so far. And, and so he he continues with that kind of idea, 
as well. So go ahead and read verses one and two for us here of chapter five. And this does connect very closely with what what goes before in chapter four. Yeah. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So it's interesting to talk about God's example here. We often talk about the, the example of Jesus, but uh, the idea of God's example goes along with what we said uh, last week when we looked at chapter four, and it talks about we were created uh, to live um, like God, to be like God. Uh-huh. Uh, we were created in His image, and and to you know we talked a lot about what it means to take on His character and His nature and this kind of thing. So here, talking about following God's example, and then He uses this phrase, and I want to ask you this question. He says, uh, "As dearly loved children," and He's going to talk about love. If you see there, He talks He talks about walking in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. Uh, why do you think? This idea of the dearly loved children. Why do you think that phrase is so important up front here? Why do you think? Mm-hmm. Why do you think Paul includes that idea? Would you say? Well, I, earlier in Ephesians, it talks about being adopted, right? Correct. So I think it's this kind of this part of God's family. Like we're sure. one. I mean, okay. there's been this idea of unity and family and right. one that's kind of gone through there. So right. I think it's part of that. You are, uh, you know, I think. With the family, it's kind of like you're representative of your father, okay. or like the children are representative sure. of Sure. So we follow his example as, as children follow the example of a father. I think that's good. The the love here, I think, is important, too. It's, uh, you know, and this is, this is the thing we always wrestle with. God doesn't love us for doing the right thing, right? He loves us because of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. But then the expectation is if we are going to be his children, then we do the things that are in keeping with his character and nature. So I think. In some ways, it, it it maybe takes us off the hook in the sense that, you know, we're loved by God, and therefore this should be our response is the way that I would say it, the way that we love him then in return or, or uh, understand the depth of that love for us is in this way. We walk in the way of love, and it says, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he takes us here to the cross. Now, he doesn't mention cross per se, but he talks about this idea of Jesus giving himself up for us, um, an offering, we could say. It's interesting. It's a fragrant and, and uh, a fragrant offering and sacrifice gives us maybe the image of um, burning incense, that kind of thing, like was mm-hmm. was uh, commanded to be accompanied with prayer. But we're probably pointing to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and him doing that on our behalf. Uh, first, John, when I was looking at this section and, and preparing for it, it kept bringing me back to First John a lot. First John talks a lot about love and how, uh, you know, this is love not that 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 uh, we love God, but that He loved us, right? Mm-hmm. Christ loved right. us, gave Himself up for us. So this is the expression of His love is the way that He gave Himself up for us, and then we are then called to love in that way also to follow in that example of love. So love has to do, I think, with sacrifice. Uh, it's not seeking. Uh, this is kind of a paraphrase of First Corinthians thirteen. It's love is not self-seeking, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't look for our advantage, but love is about doing what's good on on behalf of the other person, right, or the mm-hmm. other other people around us. So we're called in the same way that Christ gave Himself up for us. Then we're called to also have that sacrificial kind of love for one another. I think is is what He's calling us to uh, here in this way. And then he gives us, I think, in the next section, um, some things that we need to avoid as, as a church. And and uh, I'll say some more about this in just a minute. But 
but it, it may seem like a strong, there, there is a, a change of section here. And in fact, some Bibles are going to, whoops, some Bibles are going to put the first two verses um, up with chapter four, the first two verses of chapter five with chapter four. But there is a connection, I think, between this idea of the cross and then us as a church uh, living in a way that is that is in keeping with what? Christ to sacrifice himself on our on our behalf for. Okay. Uh, so uh, go ahead and read. Uh, I'll go ahead and just read verse three for right now, and we'll talk about that some. There's three things that are mentioned here to to avoid. Gotcha. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So God's holy people again is that word for saints, the holy ones. Again, is the is this idea that He has for us, the ones who are set apart for God's purpose. Um, it says not even a hint there. You're reading NIV at, at that point. Uh, literally what it says here is something to the effect of um, it should not even be named, right? Uh, this shouldn't even, there, there shouldn't even, so so the idea of had, there not even being a hint of these things I think is absolutely appropriate. But but these things, the and I think it's all three, not just the sexual immorality, but the, it shouldn't even be named, shouldn't even be spoken of in a sense in connection with God's people. In other words, there shouldn't be any uh, rumor or hint of this, this kind of activity yeah, going on. ESV says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous, covetous, covetousness yeah. must not even be named among yeah, you. That's literally what it says. Shouldn't even be named among you is what the what the literal uh, translation is. So the sexual immorality, we've talked about this before. The, the Greek word here is pornia, very broad word. It's mm-hmm. a very broad word in Greek. Uh, it it encapsules, so sexual immorality is any kind of inappropriate sexual activity is mm-hmm. what it stands for. Now, Paul was a Pharisaic Jew, Jew uh, a, a rabbinic student, right? Mm-hmm. So within a Jewish worldview, I think pornia would include, for Paul, when he uses this word, uh, you know, again, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he uses this word, I think it would carry with it the connotation of er- anything within a Jewish worldview that would be considered inappropriate sexual activity. So we talk about sexual activity outside of marriage, I mm-hmm. think we're talking about. We're talking about any uh, in, any kind of thing that we see um, you know, within Judaism that was said to be improper. Um, and, and so it's a very broad term. Uh, it has to do with, you know, with lots of things that today is considered to be acceptable within our, within our time and our culture. So this idea of sexual immorality becomes a, a big deal, but now even beyond that, and, you know, uh, we've seen examples of this and, um, you know, even within the churches, uh, this idea that um, that there have been examples of prominent leaders sometimes within the church that are guilty of sexual impropriety. Um, you know, this is this is where we get into this kind of thing that Paul is saying among this one set apart of God, these things should not even be talked about or you know hinted hinted mm-hmm. about in, the, in that sense. So, so pornia, any kind of impurity, which is a, in a broader sense, and then we get this idea of greed, or you said covetousness last week. If you if you listen to that episode, you mentioned this this idea that greed is any kind of a desire uh, for things that that um, you know aren't appropriately ours. We could say in that mm-hmm. sense, or wanting to draw things to ourselves, wanting things for our own purposes. Uh, and, and here Paul says these are these are just improper. These don't belong. Uh, these three things. Now remember these three words: that's uh, sexual immorality, pornia is the word, impurity, and greed. In just a minute, we're going to see those three ideas repeated in a couple of verses. Uh, and there's an 
intentional repetition of it. So these three, we can almost think of this as a heading that that Paul is using for this section, and then he's going to talk about some other things uh, in connection with that. Any thoughts on that or comments or questions? I don't think so. I think okay. it's pretty, uh, you know, I think this is... It's going to be interesting, you know, kind of reading the head, sure. kind of talking about what we talked about last week yeah. and that it was holiness was as not so much about what we abstain from, but, but what we do. What we do right. And now we have some abstains. Sure. Well, because if you're going to do, you have to abstain from the other yeah, as well. You, you, you do. And, and we can almost say it's, it's instead of abstaining, it's almost a replacement. Mm. That's what yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about last yeah. week. So replace this kind of thing with the positive. And I know, I think that's still here. Uh, you know, instead of inappropriate relationships, we need to have appropriate relationships within mm-hmm. the church, right? We talked about greed and its opposite would be um, a generosity. Right. You know, and, and so you're always thinking about that. And it's the same with speech. Now, what did it say last week about speech? Do you remember? Don't look, don't look. You're supposed to remember these things. Uh, it's supposed to no unwholesome talk, build others up. Build exactly right. So, so it's this idea. Well done. Sorry, I didn't mean to give you a hard time. Don't worry about I it. I know. I'm uh, just. Uh, I just. It's like water off a duck's back at this point. <laughs> you'll take it out on me later. But anyway, the 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 idea of building one another up is the important thing. So he's going to talk here about speech again. So we kind of have this idea of impurity and sexual immorality, this kind of thing. And now he's going to talk about speech is is the main main point of this next uh, next verse. Um, go ahead and read verse four then for me, if you would. I would indeed. So this is the <laughs> NIV. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather Thanksgiving. So you see that contrast again, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? He's going to come back to Thanksgiving. We'll say maybe more about that in just a minute. But instead of, and here's three things, obscenity, you know, th- this kind of idea of uh, things that are that are unclean to speak about or obscene to talk about is the idea. Um, the second word here is really interesting, foolish talk. And and literally, it's the word that we get our word moron from, like m- m- moron speech, basically. No, none of that moron speech with you. Uh, but but talk that has to do with with um, the lack of wisdom or this idea of talk that is, that is of no value. Uh, man, <laughs> I mean, it's... it's pretty harsh thing uh-huh. but but you know if you think about it there's there's lots of language there's lots of talk out there all the time mm-hmm. and it's, it's hard sometimes for us to discern and i think that's the other thing he's going to talk about wisdom here in a minute it's hard for us sometimes to discern what is what is true it, it's hard for us to discern what is of value but here he's saying for us as believers we don't Add to that idea of the foolishness of talk or the foolish talk that's that's out there. We should we should uh, not not speak about those things. And then coarse joking, and this is a, this is a good um, translation here. There's a little bit of a play on words with um, Thanksgiving because they start with the same letters here. So so not and this word even sometimes can can have a positive connotation in Greek literature. Like you want you want your writing to be full of wit or, or oh, this gotcha. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But here we're thinking about wit that is that is uh how do I say this is not is you know we would I don't know what kind of words we use to discuss this off color or um, um, dirty jokes or something you know, gotcha. something along that line. Something that's going to uh, again kind of pull people down rather than build them up is the idea. You know, I think this would include derogatory, you know, the kind of um, wittiness that would be about derogatory, you know, speaking derogatorily of groups of people, this kind of thing mm-hmm. would would be included in this. But it, 
instead, we're, we're replacing all these things with thanksgiving. In other words, giving thanks to God uh, for the things that he's done with us. So again, we see this idea, not this, but instead you can have this other, this other thing. So both of these are difficult, um, you know, things to practice this, this idea of putting aside these things, um, uh, both in, in terms of the sexual out, sexuality, the impurity, but also then our, our speech is what he's talking about, uh, in here. Verse five, we come back. And so do you remember those three things that were in verse three, we had uh, sexual immorality, we had uh, impurity, and then we had greed. greed. Well, here he uses the noun for, form for each of those. So there, that was the kind of the idea of the sin itself. And now here's the person who commits that kind of sin is what he says. Gotcha. So all three are exactly the same. So verse five, he says, uh, you can be sure of this, no immoral person. Right or no sexually immoral person might be the way it's translated sometimes. No impure person or any greedy person, um, and then he goes on and says such a person is an idolater, um, and I'll come back to that in just a minute. Perhaps uh, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now it's very unusual. This this idea of the kingdom of Christ and of God is a very unusual construction here. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes Paul will talk about Christ's kingdom. Sometimes we see this phrase, the kingdom of God. That was a very uh, common thing for Jesus to talk about, for example. Very unusual to have this idea of kingdom of Christ and of God. Um, he says that that this kind of person, and, and I'll kind of deal with this last part of the verse first, no, this kind of person will not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ uh, or God uh, or and God. The, the idea there of inheritance has to do with future, right? It, it's it's thinking about the things that we will enjoy. So kingdom has a present uh, reality, uh, right? We, mm-hmm. we are part of God's kingdom, but this is focused upon what we will enjoy as a reward in the age to come to be a part of this of this kingdom that God mm-hmm. has established, Christ has established, and is 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 growing and is being being a part of this. So it's looking forward to this now. Here's one thing we can take this, and it often is spoken of in this way. We can take this as a warning. You know, be careful because anybody who's like any of these three three things will never inherit that. But we could also understand it connected to that idea of promise when you think of inheritance. And here's what I mean is because we know that we are going to be people. Let's go back to this idea that we are loved by God, right? People who are loved mm-hmm. by God. We have this promise of an inheritance of the kingdom of God. Therefore, shouldn't we be people who are who are putting these things off? Um People used to talk about this. It's kind of it's kind of fallen out of favor. But people used to talk about fitting ourselves for the age to come. In other words, preparing ourselves to be citizens of God's kingdom in the age to come. And I think it may have to do with that as much as you know, not so much Paul with a ruler wrapping us on the knuckles and saying, "Oh, watch out, or you're not going to have a place in this." It may be more this idea: if you are a person loved by God, who's and he's going to use this idea of a child of the light. Um, then you need to live in a way that's in keeping with that. You need to suit yourself and prepare yourself for that. Uh, we talked last week about this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, we, you you need to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to transform you, so that you'll be a person, a holy one of God, who is prepared for the age to come. Is the way that we can we could also think about this. But so you think this is more of a uh-huh. preparatory phrase instead I of think a, it may instead be. of a brow beating necessarily. And I'll tell you why I think that. Now, now again, how do I say this? Um, 
earlier in Ephesians, um, I mean, think about this. Paul has made clear that our salvation is not by works. Right. Right. It is the gift, a gift of God that has come through Christ Jesus, what Christ Jesus has done. We talked in, I don't want to forget what we talked yeah. about then. It's not that we could be good enough that we somehow deserve the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are citizens of the kingdom because of the grace of God, which is available to us in Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Because of our trust in him and what he has accomplished on our behalf. It goes back to that idea of the cross, right, that we saw earlier. Right. Uh, he gave himself up for us. Um, now, that's not to say that <laughs> that we can then live any way we want. As I said last week, that means from the beginning, um, when we come to Christ, we begin to be transformed. But I, I, we have to be very careful if we think in some ways our promise is based solely upon our, our behavior. I mean, technically, that's kind of a Pelagianism, right? right. That, that, yeah. That's kind of that's the fancy term for it. I don't know, like. so, yes. <laughs> but this idea that that our salvation is completely dependent upon our behavior, mm-hmm. right? Now, so I want to stay away from that kind of an idea. Now, that doesn't say I also believe I don't I, I don't say this. I I believe that we can um, gr- grieve the spirit to the point that we completely reject the work of God in our lives. I don't think it means that we, we it is impossible for us ever to turn away. And maybe that's a discussion for another day. We've talked that's a little bit about that. Exactly. Right. And so, so this idea, I think we can reject the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but I don't think that's something that happens without our noticing it's, it's, it. it's not a flippant like oh exactly. you were super bad today and right it's out right and then again that when i think i mentioned this when we talked about this early in ephesians that's the way i used to think about it when i was a kid you know like well here's you know i did a bad thing so here's you know there's i picture this giant chalkboard in in you know heaven mm-hmm. with with kind of i don't know who i thought was keeping score but you know god and jesus are kind of sitting there i don't know where the holy spirit is i was a, you know i was a child okay i didn't have a good <laughs> trinitarian understanding at this point but somebody was keeping score, you know, probably mm-hmm. my grandmother or something. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and every time I did something bad, you know, everybody's kind of watching and they, oh, here's a mark on the on the bad side of the board. Maybe if I did something good, there's a mark on the good side of the board. But that idea, well, I have to ask forgiveness, and then that that thing can be erased. That mm-hmm. was kind of my my understanding, and I don't think it works out. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> anyway. I'm in trouble. Well, and 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 again, we you know as we mature, we understand this idea of what God's grace, and, and we are depend absolutely dependent upon the grace of God. Right? Uh, we understand His grace, but at the same time, we understand that He has called us. Uh, this all goes all the way back to the beginning of chapter four. If you remember what Paul said there in Ephesians chapter four, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And that's really what what the the point of all this is in a, in a way. Don't live in this way that you used to live when you were futile in your thinking, when you're Gentile. Instead, you've been called into this new life and you need to live in a way or walk in a way that is in keeping with that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that may be the focus. And that's, that's the only thing. I, I, I don't want to take away, I'm not trying to take away from the severity or seriousness 
that this sin has and the effects it has in our communities and in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this idea. If you think about the brokenness, uh, sexual sin causes a great deal of brokenness within relationships and families. Uh, someday we'll talk about First Thessalonians, where I think Paul talks about that the most clearly. Um, you know, no one should wrong his his brother in this way. You know, there, there's a way in which we um, we uh, break. The, the very unity that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that can be broken as a result of our sin. You see this with the, in the Old Testament example of David, for example. You know, uh, He asks for forgiveness from God. He receives forgiveness of God. But the effects of that sin continue. Um, that doesn't right. mean that those effects are erased. Right. Uh, and it's the same with us. You know, we need to fit ourselves again to be people of the kingdom, to be people who are prepared for that. I think that's the, the primary focus. Does that okay. make sense? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's the thing that I was trying to you, you answer my question is trying to get at, like, how do we, you know, parse this, this idea yeah. of sin and that it's not this, uh, you know, I think that that's an important message because I sure. think we can get caught in that trap of, yeah. Oh, I didn't do this. I, you know, I did did this bad thing today. Or, you know, I, I've worked with students before, or it's, um, I didn't do enough of the right. I didn't read right. my Bible today, so then I'm 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 in the negative now, and then I got to move back up. And it's like right. we can get caught in our own traps of sure. I did this bad thing, but I did this good thing, and then I yeah. oh, I didn't read my Bible today. And it, yeah. so it's it, you create this balancing act that sure you know. Maybe it is not there. <laughs> like the scores, keeping yeah, scores, a score. It's a score thing, yeah. you know. I think yeah. it can almost be paralyzing. Sure, absolutely. And and again, like we talked about last week, not necessarily a focus on the on the correct thing. So yeah. So let's go ahead a little bit further. And so verse, I'm going to do this pretty quickly. Verse six: uh, Let no one deceive you with empty words. And here, empty has to do with the idea of vain or useless. Uh, we're thinking here in Colossians. There's a parallel passage where Paul specifically warns against false teachers. Right. Right. But here he's thinking about being deceived with empty words, uh, the idea of people who maybe are teaching things. Remember what he what he said before about you need to be um, connected to the truth of Jesus and the importance mm-hmm. of the way that we think. So don't be uh, dis- let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. Uh, wrath, again, is that... Um, uh, righteous judgment of God against the the disobedient, against those who are given over to those kind of things, who continue in those kind of things. We might say, again, that's why I'm saying that long term rejection mm-hmm. of of the things that you know the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Uh, do not you know partnership is the idea of encouraging. The only other time this word's only used twice in the New Testament. The other time is a, is a positive idea, hmm. but. It, it's that idea of being being closely connected uh, to the point that you're sharing in their work and, and supporting and encourage them. So, so do you see this as like something that's happening inside the the, the, the all y'all the <laughs> well the body? Yes, I do. And and here's the reason I'm going to take you back. And again, I, I know I know I keep going back to this, but the reason I think that this book was written in the first place had to do with a situation that was going on in Colossae, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there was brokenness that needed to be 
taken care of brokenness within the church mm-hmm. and, and so I think it needed to be it needed to be addressed and needed to be taken care of and so that's what I think is going on in this so yeah so maybe it's not a particular situation but kind of this disagreements that are happening in the church and this goes back to the earlier part of 14 about uh, no longer infants tossed back and yeah. forth by the waves and so chapter you see three, that, yeah, yeah or chapter four yeah chapter four um, but tying this together with this those that are deceiving you yeah you, you see that connection right. there that i think it could be it could be those who are not teaching in you know a way that's mm-hmm. in keeping with the truth of jesus right that's where he he goes back to this idea of the example of god the you know you did not learn christ in this way mm-hmm. uh yeah so that the, you know i think it's kind of a, a yeah, being mean, cautious of those yeah even those around you yeah being I think cautious so. those around you okay i think that's correct yeah Okay. All right. Anything else? I I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's it's kind of the you know there's there's a lot of um, you know it's not the scorecard thing, but there's right. this thing that I, I constantly got to be on the um, paying attention. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Anything more you want to say about that? No, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, paying attention. Um, it's well. And, and, and I, hold on just a minute. Maybe something I say here will help okay. help with this. I'm just thinking about what's what's getting ready to come. The next six verses or so, there's a extended use of this metaphor, this contrast between darkness and light, uh, very commonly used in Jewish literature. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the intertestamental literature. Most, most striking example would be one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, was called the War of the Sons of Light, or Children of Light and Children of Darkness. Paul uses that phrase, children of um, children of uh, light, here in just a moment. Um, and, and so I think I think we need to think in, in in terms of darkness having to do. We we've mentioned this before. Darkness has to do with this idea of a hiding of the truth, right? Light has to do with exposing the truth. And he's mm-hmm. going to use that word here, even in just a minute. We'll say more about that word exposed. But um, but light is where we can see, you know, again things right. clearly. Uh, when something is when it is dark, it is difficult to see. Um, now Paul's going to go on, and well, let me read just a little bit here, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Look at verse eight. Okay, it says, "You were once uh, you were once darkness, and it's not in darkness." He, he you says, were dark- "You were darkness, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so here again, we're, we're probably thinking about the. You remember what he said about the Gentiles uh, and the futility of their thinking? They had darkened minds, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's what he's saying. He's doing that contrast thing again. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Okay, we'll stop there for just now, and then we'll come back because it, it does continue. I'm stopping the middle of a sentence here. I'll, I'll admit, but this idea of light and darkness is is again very commonly used. We see it uh, in scripture. Um, Psalms frequently use this image of light for for the idea of knowledge of God or wisdom. Uh, you can even think some of our famous passages like Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and, and a light, light to, to my, my path. path. It gives me direction, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it shows the way that I should go is kind of the idea. Uh, darkness uh, is, the, is the idea of foolishness. It's the idea of um, not obscurity, of not being able to see clearly the way that we should go, this, this kind of an idea. And that's what you were once were, but now you are light in the Lord. So I mentioned Psalm. Another place you see this 
frequently is in the book of Isaiah. Uh, there's a passage we read almost every Christmas, right? Uh, it, it's a big, um, if, you, if you're into uh, Advent, it's a big Advent passage where it says, on those who are living in darkness, the light has dawned, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this idea of light uh, coming into the world and and is is a big deal. Gospel of John again, you see Jesus is referred to in John chapter one as the light, light. right? Mm-hmm. And the light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or 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 uh, under uh, under grasped it is literally the word there. So. So you get this idea of light and darkness frequently used. And here, and even children of light is used by Jesus in, in John uh, chapter 12, verse 36. We see this idea of children of light. Um, you know, that's the promise. That's what he's calling us to be. Sons of light or child, children of light, I think, would be a better. Some of your translations are going to say sons of light. Uh, masculine is, well, we won't talk about that right now. But, but um so children of light uh, in this sense uh and and he's and he calls us to live in this way so we're living in keeping with the the, the light first john again uh, light and darkness are big big use of that metaphor there a uh, walk in light is, is what we're called to do so go ahead and read verses 9 and 10 for us then where it it takes this um this yeah. idea a little bit further for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Okay. So the fruit, uh, and I'm, I'll talk about how that's kind of, I know it's odd English, but I'll talk about how this, this goes together. Fruit of the light, you know, this. So, so what comes from the light, we could say, is goodness, which has to do with this, this kind of thing we've been talking about, this idea of moral behavior and mm-hmm. uh, behavior that is in holiness, that is in keeping with, with God's nature. Righteousness is related to the idea of holiness, but it also has to do with this idea of right relationship, or I've mentioned before, the word justice is very closely mm, related yes. to this idea of just uh, of righteousness. So living in, in good lives, we could say holy lives, living lives that are that are promoting and keeping right relationships with one another, we could say in this sense, and also uh, connected to truth, right? Being being champions of and 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 um, uh, people who are people of truth, and in this way, we are finding out what pleases the Lord is the way I would kind of I, I would kind of put that. Okay. So we're you know this idea is that according to the to the Lord's will might be another way to to think about that. What pleases the Lord or what the what the Lord wants. Uh, so we're wanting to live in a way that's not ourselves. You know what what we want, but it's what you know what pleases us to use the NIV language, but what pleases the Lord. So is it and and living that way that we find out what pleases like like God reveals Himself as we live. I think in so. the light. Yeah, it's an. I think it's. I would say it's an ongoing thing. Yeah, and and that's that. You know, that's the thing about light. It reveals, and he's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna mention this here in in a, in a moment. Uh, darkness, and that's you know that's the interesting thing about this whole metaphor. It's, it's you know we've talked before. Metaphors always break down, but this one's a pretty robust. What I would call robust metaphor. For. Um, Paul is going to talk about how d- darkness is sometimes used to obscure the things that we do. Um, so things that we don't want people to know we're doing, we do, we do it in darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't do those things in the light is kind of the idea. And so... It, it it goes with that idea of holiness also where we're where we're trying to you know to live in this in this right way. Okay. So uh, go ahead. You can go ahead and read verse um, 
uh, go ahead and read verses, well, I guess 11 and 12, and we'll, okay. we'll kind of... Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So that last part was what I was just talking about, that idea that they do these things in secret, they do these things in the dark, it, and it's shameful. We don't even want to talk about it, right? The shame, mm-hmm. not, not, uh, you know, all the more we shouldn't do these things, but we shouldn't even talk about these things. It goes back to that idea, let there not even be um, a mention of these things, or let these things not even be named among you. Mm-hmm. Uh, should should be that far from us is, is kind of the idea. Fruitless deeds of darkness is in contrast to the fruit of the light right it is the other thing it's the opposite right um the, the goodness righteousness and truth are productive <laughs> for for the person of god but the deeds of darkness are unproductive they right? they're bear nothing they're fruitless uh uh what's the word he used earlier they're they're futile they, you know, they're, oh, yeah, they're meaningless yeah. empty words you see all all that kind of piling up mm-hmm. these are these are things that we waste our time on these are things that have no have no use they have they don't produce anything they're not mm-hmm. for our good so all, all these terms he's piling up i think in these in this way to show this context uh, uh, con, uh, contrast have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather and here's the word expose which is a really interesting word um in, in greek um it's the word elenko and it can mean um uh, to uncover in that sense but it also can mean it can also have kind of a legal context where it it's the idea of to convict or to uh, to convince uh, of the the guilt associated with it. Okay. So now here's why I mentioned that as as I think what Paul's saying here when he's talking about this, it's not just exposing someone like ah got you know gotcha, gotcha. like jump, jump, <laughs> yeah. jumping out from behind the the curtain and saying ah gotcha you know got you got your hand in the cookie jar kind of thing but it, but it's also this idea i would say in a positive way it's trying to to encourage people and this is this is important for us in our time right it's not just naming sin or or the sinners but it is also trying to speak in a way that they can see the futility of this mm-hmm. life or the emptiness of this way of life. Do, do you see yeah, what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's not just saying like, that's wrong, but right. it's kind of helping them see maybe. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and ultimately what, you know, what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to, to, to speak truth, right? It, mm-hmm. It's the same thing we've kind of been talking about so far. It's not just a matter of not saying the wrong thing, but it's also speaking in, in a way that we are uh, advancing the, the work of God's kingdom. Right, mm-hmm. uh, it, I would say it's almost in you know, I this word is misused a lot, but but almost in an evangelizing way, mm-hmm. right? We're we're, right. we're trying to promote the goodness of what is available to people in what God has done through Christ. So, so here's where it gets really tricky to live in our in our time and our culture. And uh, you know, we were talking about this before. It's not that other times and cultures are not wicked and evil as well, but there, and this is what this whole section is about. Uh, and I'll, there's even a better phrase in, in a little bit, but, but we're living, living in evil times. Paul's going to say that frankly in, in just a moment. Uh, but what is called for us to do 
it isn't just to like we talked about last week. It's not just avoiding those things, right? Or uh, you use the word um, I can't remember shutting ourselves off. I can't remember what word you use. Kind of cloistering, cloistering ourselves, which was yeah. a great word, great great use of word there. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find another that, way. To, that was good talk to build me up. Way I'll, to go. I'll, I'll find a way to insult That's you in a little, a little, in a little <laughs> But but anyway, <laughs> the, the yeah, it's not it's not cloistering ourselves, but it's instead it's it's tr- trying to bring the truth of God to bear in 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 our world today, right? Through mm-hmm. through what he's done in Christ. So, well, let me not say too much about that cuz we are going to come come on to this. But that's why I mentioned that idea of exposing. It's not just, you know, this isn't just Geraldo trying to or, or find out what's in Al Capone's vault or Jerry Springer, you know, trying yeah. to, to expose you something. You are the father. <laughs> You are not the fuck. Okay. I mean, that's right. But it's it, that's more Povich. Sorry. It's to do it in a positive way. Okay. Everything that is exposed, and here's that verb form here everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So, so you see, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're trying to. Um, what is it? You know, don't just curse the darkness, right? But but light light a candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Mother Teresa, or is that just attributed to her, or whoever? Know. Right? But 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 um, uh, everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's what is said, and he quotes the he quotes a psalm. I'm not going to say too much about this now, but but we'll say more about it in, in just a minute. This is why it said, "Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." And, and so here mm-hmm. he's quoting uh, an Old Testament song that would have been very familiar to them, a psalm of the Old Testament. Uh, sleeper here, probably rise from the dead. You, you see, what I'm saying yeah. he's talking about those who are who are um, separated from God, who are spiritually dead. The Gentiles, uh, as Paul it, would use it. it yeah, in, that, in the way it's used earlier in this chapter anyway. Mm-hmm. And so so that idea of then wake up from your slumber, you know, um, come come alive because of what? Uh, because of Christ shining on you. So, so uh, go ahead then, uh, read verses 15 and 16 then, and we're going to spend some time on this and then hopefully um, finish up here pretty yeah. quickly then. <laughs> 15, 16. Yeah. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, get the ESV out. I know you got it there close mm-hmm. by, and I want you to read this in just a minute. Not right not right now, but you, you mentioned this idea of be very careful then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's paying attention to the way that we're living. We're living not as unwise and you know that's exactly the way it is not as unwise but as wise uh, wisdom or wise I always say is applied knowledge uh, it's not just head knowledge it's not just information but it's knowing how to as we talked about last week it's knowing how to uh, to live in a way that's in keeping with that with how that to engage tr- the world with that truth right it's it's living in that that kind of way so read verse 16 out of the ESV I'm just curious I didn't look at this ahead yeah. of time so this is uh, verse 16 making the best use of the time okay. because the days are evil. Literally, you know what this says here and it's very interesting and I and I and and I know it's hard it's hard it, I understand the reason both the translations have done it this both of these two translations have done this this way because it's kind of hard to get across the idea but I really love the way that Paul puts this here because he uses the word redeem. Hmm. The same word that he uses often for what happens to us in Christ. And literally what he says here is redeem the time because the days are evil. Cool. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Now, yeah. 
Now, again, it's kind of, well, how do we redeem time, right? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? And I think it has to do with that we, again, making the most of every opportunity is not a bad phrase. Or what does the ESV say there? That it's, it's um, oh, uh, making, making the, most, the best use of the time. Makes use of the time. Those get across the idea very, very well. But I love this idea that we are redeeming time. And, you know, time... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Time, time is is one of those things that I talk about all the time. But yeah, but we, yes. it's funny. Have you ever thought about the phrases that we use in English in relation to time? Uh, a friend and I were away this past weekend, and we were waiting for this particular event. And so he said, "Well, we're just killing time now." You know, have yeah. you ever thought killing time? It's alive. <laughs> Well, and, 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 and yeah, it's kind of just this idea we're not using it. It's killing time would be almost the opposite of redeeming time, right? Right, yeah. Um, and and we, we sometimes will talk about wasting time, right? Mm. Uh, you know, th- that kind of thing. And making the best use of our time is probably, you know, the, the opposite of that, maybe. Mm. Uh, spend, I'm going to spend some time. Right, mm-hmm. in a funny the way the phrases that we use. Uh, so let's let's spend some time together, or you know something along that that time, um, along those lines. I should say, I've got time no on the time brain now. <laughs> but redeeming time. I mean, think about this from a Christian perspective. We're talking about taking this, and what is it? Is it even? It's is it even a thing? You know, is it is it a quantity? You know, this this whatever we're moving in. Um, you know, some some people. Well, I won't go there right now, but but it's it's this thing we're moving through. But it's saying that we live in evil days. Therefore, as as God's people. We need to be redeeming this time in the best way possible or using this time in the best way possible so that it can be captured, if you will, for God's purposes. Okay, mm-hmm. and and so that idea of being very careful, I think, is and I, you know we we need to be careful. I don't I don't think this is this is saying well, we can't have any fun or, you know, we, right. we it, it could be to, we'd almost get neurotic about this or get so serious that we, we say, Oh my goodness, I got to use every moment I have for these purposes. But, but I think it it's thinking about every moment we have and using it for the highest good. Now, sometimes that may be, um, having fun with our friends and family, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's thinking about using that time to the very best of our abilities uh, and for God's purpose, not for ourselves again, not in a selfish way, but in a way that's, that's going to promote and, and continue the work of, of God's kingdom. Um, You know, so we probably all have had projects that we have put a lot of, energy and a lot of time into right Mm -hmm. that ended up being fruitless and when we begin to think about uh how how much you know it's always helpful when we find out that that what we've put energy into has a positive impact or positive um uh use (laughs) we even talk about this podcast right Right. we we put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this but then we hear positive things sometimes occasionally sometimes (laughs) (laughs) we hear we hear from people saying that it's it's a worthwhile project Mm. right Mm. but but all of us have to make those kind of determinations about the way that god is calling us to use 
not only the, the talents that we have, not only the resources, wealth, those kind of things that we have, but also the time that we have for his purpose. So that idea of redeeming the time because the days are evil. And again, remember, Paul's saying this back in, in the first century in Asia Minor. Um, you know, I think it still applies. Mm-hmm. I think it still applies. And I'll tell you this, when I was when I was preparing this, it really helped me because you know, sometimes I get really frustrated. I think, why did you place me in this time, God? Why, why here? Because it seems like there's so much, you know, mm-hmm. so much to do, and it's it's frustrating. You want to bang your head against the wall sometimes. But but this was a reminder to me. This eternal word of God says the days are evil. What do we expect? We we live in a fallen world where the 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 you know those who are who are um um deceived by the evil one are are doing their doing their the, their work right mm-hmm. and and so this is what we can expect until the inheritance of God's kingdom right that's that's right. where we are uh, that's the in between times it's always going to be a time of tension it's always going to be a time uh, that's tugging against us in a variety of ways anyway what were you going to say no i think that i think just changing that word redeem the time you know, I think that's an that's an interesting. Uh, you know, I, I it has a different feel when you say redeem the that, time. That's that's why you know for me, and again, I, it does take some explanation. I think to to understand it, but it's it's using it for God's salvific purpose. If you say you know for for mm-hmm. the purpose of salvation, and and thinking that all our moments can have that value. Exactly. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's the thing for me is saying like. There are moments when I think they're, I'm just going to use the word garbage. Moments, right. You know what I mean? Right. But that every moment can be, that we can be redeeming yeah. moments as and, God's holy people. And again, I want to be careful to say that doesn't mean, you know. It doesn't mean we can't just do something with our family and so forth. Well, and sometimes it is, it is you know, on our hands and knees scrubbing the floor. You know, that, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff we don't want to do or maybe mowing the yard. I don't, I don't know, whatever it is for pulling weeds or whatever, but, but. It, 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 there are times where the, that kind of stuff feels like garbage, though can can have purpose if we if we're focused on what it is that that yeah. we're we're doing, what our ultimate goal is. Yeah, I think uh, uh, honestly, for me, it's just like even in my work, sometimes I just think like, boy, I'd rather be doing something yeah. different than this, and um, or I'd rather be doing the podcast or reading sure. a, a theology book right. or something like that. Right. But kind of going like that every moment. Whether it's with my family and even when my children are tough, or whatever, but right. I can redeem that time, and yeah. um, that time is can be a reflection of who right. God is. And so, I mean, that's just yeah. that that for me is a and not just saying like oh, make the use of every moment. Yeah. It's like there is there can be something. I don't I don't want to stretch it too far, but something holy in each right. moment. One of our listeners who who regularly calls and talks to me, we have good conversations about. You know some of these um, things, uh, and he knows he knows I'm fascinated with time. Just a couple of weeks ago, was we were talking about this concept of time, and you know I said then uh, this is what I was going to say earlier is uh, I, I would when I was teaching theology and we talk about God not being bound by time and space is is people sometimes wanted to some of these uh, mysteries that we we have to wrestle with in Scripture. I would always have students who wanted to deal with it saying, well, God is outside of time. And I would always say, now, wait a minute. I said, when you can explain to me what it means to be inside of time, then we can talk about what, <laughs> what it means to be, to be outside. outside of time. But but I think we even have a hard concept of what time mm-hmm. is. Where, I mean, here's another phrase. Where's the time gone, right? Or where does the time go, you'll hear people mm-hmm. say, you know. Um, 
uh, oh my goodness, look how grown up they are. Where's where does the time gone? You know, and and we you know we say those as, as flippant phrases, but we really don't have a good understanding. Anyway, I quoted to this person that had called this listener that that had called. Um, I said, uh, you know, Alicia Keys. This this was one of those f- phrases. Do you remember her song? And but it was, "Life is an hourglass glued to the table." Right? Uh-huh. And then Alicia Keys. I hope it is. I, I don't know. If not, I apologize. I don't somebody, know. Somebody I'm not a huge Alicia Keys fan. Well, that's a good line though. But but you, you think about <laughs> okay. that an hourglass. You got sand going through, but glued to the table. You're, you're you not flipping flip it back over. over every moment. And so that's where I think this idea of redeeming the time comes in then as well, uh, to use it to the best of our ability. Uh, at least I didn't quote the country song "Live Every Day Like You're Dying" that kind of thing or whatever that one was. But which is not a bad song <laughs> either. Yes. yes. <laughs> Rocky Mountain, right? Something two point seven seconds in a bowl. Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think you know. I uh, this is one of the things that I've seen this before, like in a church presentation about like your kids, but like right. you know, you put a marble in a jar oh, for like yeah. how many sure. weeks you've got with them, and you start to see like oh, wow. like yeah. it's you're taking this and realizing the time is limited. And yeah. I think even when we talk to our kids about time, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. We've we've talked with our kids about we just finished Revelation with. Uh, in our yeah. in our church group and um or in the children's ministry yeah as much as you can go through revelation with the children <laughs> and uh you know i was talking with our son it's just like you know think about time as this really long line and your life is this tiny tiny yeah. tiny tiny dot right. and i said you know the beautiful thing about revelation is you know when we rise again with yeah. jesus i said our lives are the line right you know what I mean? Like, right. this is our eternal life now. Life. Yeah, it's eternal yeah. life. Like, we have this dot here, but I said, our life, with Jesus, it starts here, and our life is the line. Yeah. And so, it was just, you know, just kind of understanding time, what's important, and then with the time we have here, right. redeeming it. Yeah, that's exactly, that. that's very well said. And, and yeah, it's, it's basically gaining a sense of perspective mm-hmm. uh, on on where we are. You know, what was the, the one, whoever it is, you can quote whoever you want, but the... the Dr. Seuss, go. Uh, okay, whatever. As Dr. Seuss once said, the, the, you know, life, life's what... What happens to us when we're when we're waiting in line, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's that that idea we're waiting for the next thing to happen, and, and at the same time, then it's life is is happening to us. You know, seizing the moment. Some people will say, or seizing the day. Uh, but in our purpose, it, you know, it's, we're not seizing it for ourselves. We're seizing it for God's purpose. Yeah. So, as Tracy Chapman says, life is a highway. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> So we're just gonna keep milking this lifetime. <laughs> well, and we're almost out of time. Speaking yes. of which, right? Okay, the, I'm sorry. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And there's where we're talking about what pleases the Lord or what the what the Lord's will is. I think in in doing this, you know, in making the most of every every opportunity, um, we understand what the Lord's will is. Mm-hmm. Um, Eighteen says, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery." And, and here's this: What did you say? Debauchery, debauchery. I don't know. It's debauchery. However, okay, you can say it however you want. I just did. Okay. Okay. Dissipation is another word that's sometimes used. That's what what's translated often when when it's used in First Peter. But being drunk on wine leads to these acts of however you want to say that debauchery. Yeah, I'll let you say it. Um, <laughs> so so the idea is, of course, uh, you know, alcohol can can lower inhibitions and cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally otherwise do. So that's the warning. Mm-hmm. The contrast, though, and the important thing here, I think he's saying is instead be filled with the spirit. So there again is that mm-hmm. that positive contrast. The spirit. 
uh, in our lives is transforming us to do the right thing, right? So the opposite, when we when we uh, give up, so drunkenness is literally the opposite of self-control in, in Greek. Um, when we give up control of ourselves to a substance or, or to someone else or to something else, then we are we are not being used for the purpose for which you know God has called us, but but instead being filled with the Spirit. Um, and, and by the way, uh, it, it, it's be filled with the Spirit is, is imperative in English, but this is this is technically, um, if I remember correctly, I should look this up. Let me let me double check and see if this okay. is correct. Yeah, it's a, it's present tense, which indicates this idea of continually be filled with the Spirit. It's not a one time thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's the only thing I was going to say is we have to go on being filled with the Spirit. Now the interesting thing is it goes on. And these are participles that come after it. These will have to do with music. And you're a music major, so these well, are important verses to you. You probably know these verses by heart. Um, so all of these have to do with, with the way that we are being filled, ongoing with the Spirit. So go ahead and read 19 through 20, and then we'll, yeah. we'll kind of come Speaking back. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So being filled with the Spirit, and and then I think it's important that we see this connection here. And I think a lot of times we read these kind of disparate things, but we are being filled with the spirit. And one of the ways that that is an ongoing act for us, an ongoing um, uh, way that we make sure the spirit is active in our life is through this idea of, and I'm going to say corporate worship. And here it's clearly corporate, right? Because he says, we're we're, um, uh, speaking to one another with Psalms, right? So this is a one another kind of thing. so the, a lot of times people will try to make a big deal about these three separate words that are used. Psalms probably refers uh, to these. Well, certainly does. There's the no question about that. Yeah, the Psalms. <laughs> it refers to these Old Testament. And, and so here's my point earlier. Do you remember when he quoted the Old Testament Psalm? Yes. So this is one of the ways that we can encourage one another. The Psalms are these po- poems that remind us about truths that are about God and about ourselves in relation to them. And so we speak these to one another. So we're, you know, we're, again, when we're thinking about speaking words that build up, right? one of the ways that we can do that is by reciting Psalms, reciting a scripture, Poems, these kind of things to one another that will will build up. Hymns are are probably again these, um, and Paul uses these hymns from time to time. These are songs that would have had structure ahead of time, would have been written words that people knew by heart. And, and again, you can recite those to one another. Music, of course, and you you would probably be able to say more about this than I do. But music is is easy for us to remember. You and I have oh, talked yeah. a lot about, uh, you know, we'll often remember the songs that are sung more than the sermon that is preached on a Sunday morning. And so that's why those become so crucial that they're speaking truth and they're speaking uh, in a way that is encouraging to us. But this is this is a part of the way that this is done. Uh, and, and then songs from the Spirit, there are some people who think that this might be kind of spontaneous um, ways that the Spirit speaks to us, and maybe we sing and and, and this kind of thing. Um, but but however we understand these, some some would also understand them as new compositions, or however we understand this, this idea of corporate worship is is important for making sure that we continually are filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we when we choose to separate ourselves from 
joining together in worship, I, I think we are missing an important way that the Spirit works in our life to encourage one another, to build one another up. Um, this is, you know, there's, there, you know, people will say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church or, you know, what it, however right. you want to say it. I believe in God, but I'm not really, you know, I don't like organized religion, which I always respond, what's so great about disorganized religion? But, but the, um, yeah, sorry. That's probably empty words. But, there. <laughs> but seriously, folks, seriously, he I'll, just flew in from New York. I'll be here all day. Tired. But anyway, the the whole idea of um, the, the whole idea of encouraging one another and speaking to one another in this way. This is why we need. This is why we need corporate worship. So, you want to say anything about the songs? Is again, it's a music major. Or? No. <laughs> you sure? Yes. Okay. But it's 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 just. I, I think choosing songs that are going to encourage one another and speak to one another about truths about God. That's and, the, that's the trick sometimes, you know, yeah. it, it, and I, you know, and I've had this conversation, we can, I think the thing is, is we can get so turned in on ourselves sometimes, yeah. you know, it's like, and I, and I've had conversations or have been around folks where it's once you make that change and making it about God and that Thanksgiving right. and remembering what he's done instead of there's some songs that lean more heavily on, who we are or sure. what we get out of it or something like that, that once it's about God, that there's, even if they can't totally articulate it, they can tell there's a change in the tone yeah. and it, and it's more meaningful to, yeah. to, to them yeah. uh, in some ways. I'm not saying those other songs don't have no, uh, no value whatsoever, right. but you know, it's when it's very, uh, vert- we say vertically sure. oriented instead of just horizontal that it's, um, um, it does stir stir people and reminds them yeah. of of uh, what God has done. He goes on. He says, "Make music, uh, sing, and make music from your heart," which reminds me of uh, Isaiah, uh, where where Isaiah says, uh, "God says through Isaiah to the people, your lips, you come close to me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me." In other words, it's not just going through the motions of worship or just you know singing the songs, but it's singing them from the heart, so that they are making mm-hmm. it. They're, we're internalizing it. Might be a way to say this. We're making a difference. Uh, in in this so uh, and then always giving thanks to God for everything um, two emphatic words here we've seen this language of abundance before and Ephesians we're used to it by now but uh, for everything that is around us and everything that we have we're always continually we could say giving thanks to God um, having an attitude where we are grateful where we're thankful for the things mm-hmm. that he does and this goes back to that idea of thanksgiving I said we would talk about later um, that that you know as opposed to the unwholesome talk. Instead, we should be thankful. We should be grateful. Even science has demonstrated this, and I know there's lots of stuff out there, but but um, showing gratitude, even my, my watch reminds me every night, oh, be grateful for the thing, you know. Um, but but it's shown that it's 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 good for us. It helps us in our attitudes. It helps us with our health, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, amazing that this is the way God wired us, that when we recognize that everything that we have is a gift from him, and even in difficult circumstances, even when it, things might not be the way that we hope that they are or want them to be, um, you know, that we're thankful for the things that we have uh, from him uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul's favorite title, uh, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is what, what he ends this section with. Yeah. Well, that's great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about time. I don't, you know, but I, I, again, I think the the redeeming time, sure, and again, this continuation from Paul about 
things, not just what we shouldn't be filled with, but what yeah. we should be filled, uh, what we should fill our lives with, yeah. and what it does for the community right. at the same time. Well, and that the corporate worship part of this, I think, is so crucial, just so important that we recognize that we need... It goes back to that idea that, that he has made... Two, two people, you know, one per, one person out of the two, right? One right, man yeah. out of the two. Yeah. He's uniting us. It's for our good and for his purpose, we, we mm-hmm. could say in that. I think that's important. Yeah, excellent. So next week we're going to talk about uh, kind of the the family and yes. submission. So that'll Absolutely. be interesting and exciting. So <laughs> so you make sure make sure, make sure you, you tune in for that one. Well, I was going to say make sure you bone up and make sure you can oh, tell me um, what, that, what that means because <laughs> – I don't want to say anything next week. <laughs> Perfect. We'll invite my wife. We'll invite Lauren to be part oh, of this. That's not a next. bad idea. Maybe maybe we could have both our wives on with us. Oh, uh, no. Maybe not. <laughs> that could get real interesting real fast. All right, Brian. Well, thanks uh, so much for your I'll time. see you. All yeah, right. Bye. You. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are continuing our series in Ephesians, looking at Paul's instructions for our households. We hope you will join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.